Yeah. Yeah. Make uh, sure to hit my uh, my intro music this time, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's not it. I got to program it in there. <laughs> I, I, I be on it all night, man. I be on it all hey, day. Hey. Straight up, pimp. If you want me, you can find me. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Functional Life Podcast, where we talk about all the elements that make up a happy, fun, functional life. Uh, not a solo episode, a duo episode today with just yeah. me and Jason. We're wrapping up this year. Yeah, the we founders. Start, the founders of this. <laughs> and, and we'll kick right off the bat and say it's it's been a great year. And we need to thank, once again, Lululemon for outfitting us for being so good and kind to us and some of our yeah. guests now uh yeah. we, we've it's been a great partnership and we look forward to uh, continuing that next year yeah i love this sweater by the way this thing's lulu which one is that I, I don't know the the names of them but it's awesome it might be the shift stitch i don't know i don't know i love it whatever it is they've got so much cool good like men's clothing especially they do um i've come a long it. way i love this is my new favorite it's the surge warm crew for winter so it's like a crew neck it's a little thicker it's yeah. a little warm, and I bought one in every color. Yeah, I've got the Surge uh, quarter zips. Oh, those I love great. those things. Yeah, yeah, they're so comfortable and yeah. warm. Yeah, they are. wonderful. So check them out. We're we're fond of the store in Peachtree Corners. If That's you're right. in Atlanta. Area. Yeah, they're a pop up right now, but they're going to be a full store here in the next month or so. January. Yeah. yeah so grand opening. Hey, we'll, awesome. we should podcast live on site down there for that. That is That's a fantastic a, idea. Mobile rig. We'll take it down there. Pop up. Man. Heck yes. Well, a pop up podcast for the pop up store. I love it. I think that's the transition from the pop-up. Yeah. We, did we just decide that, didn't we? I did. Just I think like so. That, it's right happening. The dome. It's definitely happening. Interview some people as they come in. Unreal. Be fantastic. Unreal. It's a great idea. <laughs> well, we did it, Jason. We did. The, we started this thing up this year. We've had uh, a great time with it, I think. Yeah, it's I, been really fun. It. Yeah. yeah. Lots of good guests all over the place. Yeah. You know, it's uh, one of the funny things is the comment that I, I guess, question that I've gotten the most over the last um, couple of months as we've been doing this is twofold is, why did you guys start it, and what does success look like? Oh. Which I find pretty interesting that people care to ask that question. Yeah. Uh, so I think it would be fun for us to just okay talk about why we started it. Well, I think it, I'll, it was your idea. I, I'll say that. I had a version of this from years ago when I would just do rants on, on whatever, usually health and fitness related, that really never went anywhere. Yeah. Because he just wants to sit and listen to me talk about stuff, especially inside of a community I think that's as big as my audience ever got already knows, you know, what I preach and all that. But you, you came and said, Hey, I think we were talking about a lot of the podcasts we listen to. Obviously we like consuming them. Yeah. And we've had so many great conversations, the two of us and with some of our close friends in here mm-hmm. about all things that aren't just about fitness, but, but right. you know, our faith, our marriages, our careers, all that. And you said, why don't we start a podcast? You introduced me to that idea. And I was like, begrudgingly like I'll, I'll give it a shot <laughs> yeah. is that how you remember it yeah yeah um well you know and for me I, I i think back to um societies before us where there was so much knowledge that was passed down within the community you, yep. know, you had your grandparents lived with you or on your street and so did your friends grandparents and all this local knowledge was being passed down and shared amongst people yep and in our world today we're so isolated we don't have much of that at all i thought what a good way of just talking about some of the things that we know some of the things that we're learning yeah. if we can help pass along some of that to to other people then that just brings a little bit of that community together that we we've lost that's exactly right um yeah. but the other question is what does success <laughs> look like <laughs> well 
Yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. Off the top of my head, I mean, I guess I didn't really consider that at the first. I mean, you, you the obvious answer is you want people to listen to it. Yeah. Now, how to statistically quantify that? I, I don't know. I was after the first time we the first episode when we had you know we got our little stats dashboard. We had over a hundred people listen to it all the way through. I felt really good about that. Yes. Now, I mean, we're in the world of Joe Rogan and all this. Like, I never, we, we never dream of, of being that, or I'm not trying to compare myself to anything like that. Right. I think of, of our influence as hyper-local, really. Yeah. Um, so when we were getting over 100 people listening to the whole episode, and then not only that, um, getting feedback from several of them that, hey, I really like this. I really enjoyed it. Right. And that continued, and then it turned into even – I had someone literally text me yesterday and say, Hey, when are y'all recording another podcast? I feel like it's been a while and I've really enjoyed listening to those. I'm waiting for the next one. Nice. And I was like, I guess now that that is one way I would have defined success is making an impact on people. Yeah. And I don't, again, I don't need a number. Like if it was only five people, would, would we keep doing it? I don't know. But the number is big enough now where I feel like it's, it, it's uh, influential and valuable. Yeah. So right now I'm fine living in that as the definition of success. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I think if we just kept going for some period of time, uh, so much of the things in my life I'll start but don't really finish. I don't know what finishing looks like in this, but keeping going and and having some momentum. And I think you even said it best. We were texting about this a couple weeks ago, and you're like, as long as you and I are having fun, then we'll keep doing it. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm still having a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I tell people that when I first started this business and obviously was making no money and I said, well, I, I really love this. I would do this for free. And I basically am. <laughs> so it's like, I'll say the same thing about the podcast. Like this is a fun enough for me that I would do this for free. And we are. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so there's no reason to stop. And I think success and there is a definition of success in that is, are you being fulfilled? Are, is yeah. it filling our cup, so to speak? Yeah. Is it enjoyable? Is it valuable? Is it impactful? It's making us making me f- for sure think about things on a different level you do a great job of preparing for the episode and 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 letting me know hey here's the topics i'm thinking feeling what you want and then it, it gets to rack my mind to to really think around these topics instead of just siloed in on, on how i feel about it like oh we're having guests so what kind of questions and and sort of topics yeah. uh need to come out through that and that's 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 what you talked about with with that tradition of um of our grandparents and the sort of the community, the oral tradition of exchanging knowledge and information that we've lost in the modern age yeah. is that now we can just Google things that, are, that that stay on our side of every issue. And we're even being fed answers that stay on our side of every issue. And it, we right. just get more and more siloed in. Yeah. And um, this has been a great experiment for me in getting outside of that and expanding that. What was your favorite episode we did this year? Oh, that's a hard, good, <laughs> good question. Um, I, I really like certain parts of certain ones. Um, the last one we did on alcohol, I think, is um, the most surprising um, for me just because it's it's a hard topic for a lot of people that people don't necessarily want to engage with themselves in their life. Mm-hmm. They're happy pontificating about it. Yeah. But then when they actually have to start thinking about it for themselves, I, I've gotten a dozen texts from people who've said, you know what, I'm going to... I'm going to think about not drinking alcohol for a month or so just to see what happens. Or uh, that made me really think about how I consume alcohol. And, and same here. I've never, there's never been a platform in my life where I've had <laughs> that type of feedback from people. Right. Um, and then I would say the other one is um, I really enjoyed 
getting some background on Aaron Snow. Um, yeah. You know, when you have a pastor, like I said in that episode, my uh, my experience has been a lot of pastors that get into that role, they've really never lived what I would call the normal life. Right. You know, they grew up typically in some sort of Christian type home and then went straight into seminary. You know, they, their whole life was aligned around becoming a pastor. And, um, and I loved like peeling back the layers of, of Aaron's life a little bit and, you know, um, the divorce and the abandonment and, um, selling drugs and yeah, corporate world, you know, working in the corporate world. I mean, it's just such a relatable person, especially now that you get to know a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm in total agreement. I, I thought the, the, when we talked to Abby and John was, we were doing, I was like, no one's going to be interested in this. I kind of thought it was going to be, cause it's a, it's a, it's sort of a topic I've beat to death already in other arenas and it turned out to be one of the most i think relatable and impactful episodes we've done yeah. um and it's so cool because it's just that it's it's people being vulnerable and transparent with their own stories and it reminds me um i think we talked about this maybe last week that that it, with with another one of our friends that that your story is really the most powerful thing you have regardless of what it could be a good story a bad story it could be a story about alcohol a story about your fitness journey a story about your marriage Whatever it is, if you're in a conversation with someone, instead of talking about some lofty philosophical principles around drinking or some scientific studies on drinking, let's just tell you your story, yeah. what you did, and what impact that had. And I think people find that humans are relational creatures. Yeah. So they, instead of just exchanging knowledge, it's like, let's, let's exchange each other's stories and the lives and how that's, that's impacted each other. I think people crave authenticity. Oh, yeah. uh, I was seeing one of our friends um, commenting about um, social media just yesterday, she was, you know, there was a DJ for the Ellen show who he yeah. just committed suicide. Yeah. Um, Twitch, but right? on, yeah, Twitch. And so, um, previous to that, if you watched even a couple of hours before that, he's doing a fun Instagram reel with his wife doing some TikTok dance or something. And if you, from the outside in watch their social media, they have it all. They're happy. They're successful. They're, they have a beautiful family. Like, and, and this guy takes his own life and wow. it, the disparity between what we see on social media and the reality of what we know is going on in people's lives can be very frustrating. And so if there's an avenue where people can be vulnerable like this, I think that's really valuable. I think people are craving it. Totally agree. Totally agree. And, and I, I've loved that it, there seems to be a more, uh, accepting culture of that emerging in society right now. You know, I think we came through a period of time where it was like, let's, everyone was very closed off pretending whether it's on social media or even walk around the real world, like, um, just with a mask on, you yeah. know, pretending. And I think it's, and I'll, I, I'll speak specifically towards men because that's who I'm as like, I've, I've over the last few years, it seems like I've been exposed to circles and groups and friends and communities of men that more so than ever will, sit down with others and share what they're struggling with or what's going on emotionally in their lives or uh, this sort of like idea of what real masculinity looks like is changing for the good, I think. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean they're soft. It just means, hey, uh, it's okay to be transparent with each other. And maybe in a small way that avoids what happened to Twitch. Like maybe he didn't, I don't, I don't know his life. I don't know. Maybe he didn't have those people. Maybe he was, he was so immersed in the media and in the presence in the world looking, like you said, from the outside in, that was his life is everybody's looking from the outside in at him. Maybe he didn't have a community of, of people and other men maybe, um, 
where he could reflect the inside of himself out. Yeah. And geez. Uh, well, and I wonder how much you know, we're talking about men specifically because we are men and we're yeah. um, we dig into some of those conversations. But I wonder. I wonder if women have um, as many close, vulnerable relationships like that. You know, yeah. um, it's something that's like you said is resurgent or maybe even emerging for the first time in the in the man community, right? So to speak, um, to have a couple people that you're really real with. Um, but what do you think? Do you think women have yeah, we talk, uh, a yeah. similar? We were talking about this the other night a little bit. It seems, I, and I don't want to take my inner, my hyper focused area and circle and relationships and and generalize that to the to the populace at large. But it does. I do feel like for some reason the women uh, that I'm connected to, they almost seem shocked when I use my wife or some of my wife's friends or as an example, like if I were to tell her the things that I've shared with my close friends, they were just bewildered. Like they couldn't believe like, really y'all talk about that. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's important. And, and which tells me they don't. Um, and it could, it could be that the, those specific topics aren't, aren't things that they, they desire to talk about. Maybe they're talking about different things. Uh, they're, yeah. you know, what, what, I, I know my wife has has a, a group of friends and they'll talk about things as moms and as working women, things that bring them pressure and anxiety and and they're just as important. Um but at least in my circles, I don't I don't think that I I know of women that are as transparent and vulnerable on the same level as the men that I have in my life. Yeah. Could be completely different out outside of here. I don't yeah. I don't know. Well and I think a something that I've experienced in in um some of these smaller groups of men that are trying to get deeper um, is by being vulnerable. If you can ever get to that place, cause it takes a lot of trust because yeah. there's a lot of ego, especially you know with men and it takes a lot of trust, a lot of relational capital to get there. But when you do and you're vulnerable and somebody has your back and they love you still in spite of whatever you just shared, they ask you like, what are, what are some action steps to, to move forward and how can we hold you accountable in the, in the right way? In the, That's right. Um, I then, because I've been in a place where I've been vulnerable, I am now better at home or at work yeah. or with other friends. Yeah. Um, and so there's this um, addition to my life by by being vulnerable that I think that uh, that was on my heart to talk about a little bit today just because of that, you know, um, your very public suicide with Twitch. And yeah. Um, again, we don't know anything about his personal life, but... I would hope anybody that's listening to this would at least take a moment and say, do you have anybody in your life who, who you feel safe to just be real? Yeah. Not just cut up. That's important too. Yeah. But do you, have you ever given, especially to the men, I'll talk to the men. Have you ever given somebody permission to ask you real questions? Right. And I think that's important is to give permission because not many people are going to just get there. I think you have to earn that right. You do, but you also, you have to vocalize like, Hey, I want that from you. Yeah. Um, because it's just not normal. I don't think in, in society or in just relationships, but man, it's so beneficial. I can think of a, here's a very cerebral and specific example I'll give. Um, that maybe won't sound quite as like church, small groupy, disciple <laughs> uh, income. I've got a couple friends in my life that will, 
and, and I, I want to be very careful how I position this because it, it it's not that they would brag or to 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 state they will they will share through a real conversation how much money they made last year an exact number put a, a figure on it, men mm-hmm. let's just say it's in the context of a conversation as here's what I'm working on last year my business did well I made let's say they said a hundred thousand dollars last year great year for me I would like my my goal next year is to is to get to 150 and I would love your help if you have any ideas and 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 just bat, just brainstorming with me you know or we would do that with each other and we get to a point where again this we know there's confidentiality in that you don't go out in public and share that stuff with other people but it there there it provides a way in conversation where you can get more real with someone and you're like no here's my specific goals and if you have any things in the area that you see that could help me get there um I would love, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's like, man, I, my income was down 20% last year. It was a tough year. It's straining my family. And I, I just don't necessarily need your advice, but I just want you, your love and put an arm around like, like, you know, and I, I've mentioned that to my wife and I, and actually I haven't raised that, that question to a couple other successful working women. And I said, have you ever shared what you make with another woman in the context of like a, 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 a consulting type conversation amongst peers. We were trying to make each other better. Yeah, absolutely not. No, I would never. I asked my wife that. No, absolutely not. I was like, so you, what about like, if it's one of your superiors, would you go to your, an, an executive in your office and say, you know, I'm, I'm making this right now and I want to get to here. What are the steps? And you, like, even that's uncomfortable. Yeah. Like when you put real numbers to it, they'll do, they'll talk in generalities. Like, no, I would never like that. It's like, that's their deepest, darkest thing yeah. inside of their income. And that's just a surre- like a surface level example of yeah. this. You, that does not, yeah, that's just income. That's not emotional even marriage or kids <laughs> you know what or whatever. <laughs> right. All the other things are. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting to me that men, um, I, I have several men that are, they're now comfortable to talk about things on that level. And, Again, I don't know that women don't, but the ones I've asked say they don't. Yeah, you know? yeah, and I'm, I've gotten to a place where I'm, I'm more comfortable, or I don't know what the word is, but I would rather have those conversations oftentimes. Yeah, than fleeting surface level conversations. Yeah, I'd rather get real. Right. Um, doesn't have to always happen, but man, I, I get so, I get so much out of that. We've done that when, when I have those conversations. Um, but man, what a risk! Like to, to raise your hand and say, I need help. Yeah. Gosh, like it's just—it's so hard. Yep. It is so hard on any of those things where you've got some level of pride or ego that's wrapped up in it, and yeah, to to say, hey, I'm I need help with a marriage, yep. or I need help with parenting, like yep. I need help with money. Or how about the opposite? How about to raise your hand and to celebrate with somebody? That's a, something that I think has been lost. Yeah, it raising your hand to say i need help well the 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 flip side of that there's all sorts of people that are out there happy to give you advice <laughs> but what i am now saying that i love is that i we have friends that will cheer for me and cheer for like if if, if i have a friend that just closes a big deal yeah i love to clap for them and encourage them and say man i'm so proud of you that's awesome and i, I can do that i have friends that are that are making multiples of the income that i have on these deals <laughs> yeah. but i really I, it's been fun for me that i don't feel any jealousy about that i can really just celebrate that for them yeah. and be happy for them and, and i feel like that's an expression of more authentic friendship in a way um and that, that's taken some maturity on my part to get to that level yeah um but because i can clap for them in the times and and celebrate with them in the times that are good it then like you said opens the door to earning the right to be there for times that aren't good. And and I'm like, well, I know that this friend has my back 
in good and bad. Yeah. Um, that's what I hope we see more of yeah. around here and around society. And, and I have to think that you're right. That would maybe have an impact on things like what happened to Twitch. Yeah. You know, maybe he didn't have anybody. He saw the world clapping for him all the time, but maybe he didn't have anybody on the flip side of that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's sad, whatever it is. But um, I've got a couple questions. Oh, gosh. For you. Um, I think for today's <laughs> episode, it would be a lot of fun to, um, I've got a few that I've, I've wondered over the years. And now that I have you stuck on a mic and you can't not answer it. I could, uh, I could just turn this could. off. It would, it would be a terrible episode, <laughs> <laughs> but the first question I have, um, mm-hmm. when it comes to the context of, of the gym that you own and fitness, you still do most of the programming, correct? Yep. The exercise programming. Mm-hmm. I would love for you to take some time and let's really like hash out how you approach programming. Is it, oh, yeah. is it, you know, we're coming into a new year. So do you look at, all right, here's what I would like to see happen within the walls of our gym over the next year and then break it down by quarter and then by workout? Or how do you go about your philosophy on programming and, and where you're leading this place? Because at the end of the day, you're the one leading yeah. this place from a programming standpoint. So our bodies and our physical um, abilities are a reflection of your programming in a lot of ways. Sure. That's a, wow. That's a good question, Jason. I, and it's funny, I've over time throughout ju- literally the last year thought about doing one of my silly little videos on breaking down the art of programming. How Cause sometimes I get asked that by other gym owners and there's a, it's all up here. And I, I don't know if I've ever systematically thought about how I go through it. Um, it, I think it would be a good video or expose on that. Um, so I do have some pretty good thoughts on that. Um, my, I would start by saying this, that the, uh, but, but as a foundation for all this, I think the programming matters. Uh, what you're doing matters a whole lot less than how you're doing it and who you're doing it with. So my first um, probably mission in programming is I, I think you can do high intensity CrossFit style workouts. I think you can do functional bodybuilding. I think you can do uh, hit style cardio intervals. I think that is that, that that matters a lot less than making sure you have a place that people love coming to and they keep showing back up and will stick to it consistently. Mm-hmm. What it for for what we do for 90% of the general population, they're just trying to be in good shape and be healthy. They don't have very specific or elite lofty fitness goals. Yeah. So just getting them to do anything and to keep showing up and doing it again is going to win for them. Yeah. So I start with that. And, and in one of the consulting groups that I talked with once, I said, you know, I think exercise is a science. It's something you can get a PhD in exercise science. It's, it's a field of study. So there is science to programming, but I also think it's an art. And the art, uh, I, I sometimes at the very beginning when I opened this gym focused on the science side of programming and lost the art of it. And the art of it is making something that's fun, yeah. makes something that's interesting, not just here's five exercises, do a hundred reps of each. That right. could be scientifically effective. Maybe probably not, but it could be, but it's not gonna be fun. And there's been lots of uh, CrossFit workouts that have come out over the years. Like I don't program like Karen is a fun, f- uh, famous one. It's 150 wall balls for time. I mean, we can argue about the scientific effectiveness of that, but it doesn't matter to me because no one is showing up excited to do that, <laughs> right. Right? right? So it's like, I'm going to start with that, like try to program something that's interesting. I mean, what exercise by its definitions kind of sucks. You know, it's like no one, no one's, 
So, I mean, you get addicted to it, but no one is like, I would rather come in this gym and beat myself up and feel sweaty and out of breath and heart and lay it all on the floor than go to the beach and drink a mar- margarita. You know, it's right. like, it, so, so start with that. Um, so from there, when I say, okay, I want my workouts to be fun and, and so I'm going to focus a little bit less on the scientific result of that. Hmm. The next step down the line for me is, um, to the science, uh, I want, at least in my gym, things to be perfectly balanced between three things. So I kind of look at a week at a time. Okay. And over the course of a given week, uh, what we do in functional fitness is broadly defined in three categories. There's weightlifting for building muscle strength training. There's gymnastics, which is for us just moving your body weight around in space. And that's where things like balance and mobility and flexibility come into play. That's arguably the most functional of all of them because that's what what keeps you out of a nursing home. Hmm. What I tell people is, it's not how much you can bench press. It's when you fall on the ground and can't get up anymore. That's when you have to go to a nursing home. Yeah. So maybe moving your own body weight around is the most functional of all of them. And then the last one would be loosely, I would just call it cardio, you know, aerobic exercise, running, rowing, biking. Yeah. So I am obsessed with making sure in a given week that we have all three of those perfectly balanced. I want a third of it to be weightlifting, a third of it gymnastics, a third of it cardio. Mm-hmm. And my and by the way, that's also my favorite way to program workouts because it makes my job the easiest. I like to have one component of each in my workouts. Yeah. Now, not all the time. Like today's workout's all cardio. We have days it's tomorrow. It's going to be all weightlifting. Right. Okay. So over the given week, it will balance out. But I like to program a lot of workouts that have one component of each in mm. um, that. So there's the next thing I do is I say, okay, I want equal parts of these things throughout the week. Step three. <laughs> Step three, we go to I want to have a even mix of short, medium, and long workouts. I think that okay. you, you want um, a stimulus. We're providing a stimulus for someone's body to adapt to. That's all exercise is. And their mind to adapt to. Those Correct. longer ones are so mental. That's right. They're much more mental. Yeah. And the shorter ones are much more uh, physical and pain tolerance based. That's right. Um, so I give the example of a mile run for time. That's a short workout for most people. And I'm a horrible runner, but I, I'll probably put up a score in the top 10 of this gym on a mile because I have a very high pain tolerance. Maybe. I is, is that a... It was at one point. That's a statement. Yeah. I think okay. my last mile was like 622. Pretty pretty good. Good heavens. Pretty good for you think a big you guy. could do that? I, well, I did it. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. It, it Because it's not... It, Listeners of this podcast, you heard it here. <laughs> I, <laughs> the story I on that is... see that top 10. Last time I programmed it, Jen Richards, who is a pretty good runner, said, can you come run? I like to have someone to chase. And it was like last minute. I didn't even want to do it. I drove the gym. I just had like sausage and eggs that morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I did it, and then I threw up everywhere after it. Well, like, sure. So because I'm not actually lactic acid's just no. flowing everywhere. I'm, yeah. I'm a horrible runner, because so it's not at that point. A mile run's not a test of how good of a runner is. It's a test of how how high's your pain tolerance, because it's going to be over soon. Yeah. So push yourself. It's like the the 50 cal assault bike for times. Another oh example of that, yes. right? So, um, yeah, I want to make sure there's a healthy mix of those things: uh, short, medium, and long workouts, because um, we need all of those. Um, Balance the, the the movements and then and then balance the time domain and how much effort it's going to take. So once I have all those pieces in place, the last piece would be within the effort category. I want to have some workouts be heavy and obviously lower in repetition. Uh, I want them to require higher effort and I want uh, equal amount of workouts to be lighter in nature. Uh, require a longer 
muscular endurance, sustained sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that that shows its face a lot in, say, weightlifting. That's an obvious example of that. But even, even in gymnastics, there's a big difference between, let's take someone that can do muscle-ups and program them a workout that has three muscle-ups every round versus 12 pull-ups. Yeah. So three muscle-ups is, if someone's good, it takes a lot less time, but it's it, it, it's lower, it's higher effort to get that movement down. It requires more skill versus someone that can do 12 pull-ups. It's, it's similar muscle groups are used in these in these movements. So I try to now then balance those. So that's what's going through my head in any given week of programming. And then through after that, I will look at a year, and this is something we've done from the beginning, and I will take those concepts and apply them in sort of a planning out a year where we have focused periods where we're always doing all those things, but like in the winter, every winter, we always do a strength cycle where we do focus a little bit more on strength. It's not against the clock. We're in that right now. Yeah. Um, then after that, I like to focus on some skill stuff. And in the weightlifting world, that becomes what we would call like technical Olympic style weightlifting. I, I don't think our clients necessarily need to be great Olympic weightlifters, but it teaches them things like kinesthetic awareness and technique. and exposure. What is kinesthetic awareness? Getting your mind to talk to your body. Mm to do something at the right time to make a move. So like the, the most basic example of that would be a double under. A double under physically, all it requires is jumping up in the air about two inches off the ground and doing this twice with your wrist. Everybody in the world in my gym can do that. But not everybody can do a double under because you can't get your mind to tell your body to do those things at the right time. Gotcha. So that's kinesthetic awareness or a, you know, in an Olympic. We called that coordination growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Coordination, <laughs> a little bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a piece of kinesthetic awareness. But when you move someone through a, something under load all of a sudden, so let's take a barbell and you've got them. Can you lift the barbell up off the ground? Yes. Okay. You can do a deadlift. That's good. Can you, uh, can you squat the barbell if it's on your shoulders up and down? Yes, that's a front squat. Now, can you put those two things together explosively, get the barbell off the ground, and then by pulling it high, get under the barbell onto your shoulders and squat it back up and time that right? Now it's a clean squat clean. This is an Olympic weightlifting movement. Yeah. And there's a whole lot of people that can deadlift a whole lot of weight. A lot of people can front squat a whole lot of weight, but they can't put it together into a clean because there's a breakdown there of timing and technique and Interesting. kinesthetic awareness. So I like Olympic. And why is that important just for us as we in real real life? How how does that apply to real life? That well, that it's a stretch to do it. I'll tell you the first way it applies to real life. Uh, from from the very first thing I talked about is it's fun. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think that some of these movements are some of the most fun movements for people in our gym to master because they feel powerful because they're 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 exerting a lot of power on something really quickly. Yeah. Uh, there are areas and times of lot in life. I, d- I did it. I was thinking last week I had actually a big roll of carpet on your trailer. As a matter of fact, that I gotten out of my house. I need to get in the dumpster and it's at my knees. It's on the trailer and I've got to somehow get this up onto my shoulder so I can then push. I know if I could get it up here, I could f- push it over to the dumpster. Yeah. Well, that's a clean. That's the only way I had to do that. And yeah. this thing was too heavy for me to just to curl up there and press. So I had to grab it with my arms and sort of jump under it really fast and then what we call like a jerk or push it up over my head. Yeah. So there are little periods in, in life that, 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 that this comes in play. And as you get higher in the, in the realm of technique and, and technicality snatches and sort of these things, you lose the functional probably aspect of getting alive, but they train muscle groups and patterns are important. Mobility balance. Hmm. You're going to need balance throughout your life. Uh, when you, again, go to the nursing home exam, you start losing your balance is when problems start happening. Yeah. They train that balance, um, um, these movements do, and they train putting maximal power into something very, very quickly. And I, there are periods of times in life that... that really Without getting hurt. That's the yeah. that's the key piece. Is a lot of people will try that maximal power yeah. randomly, 
That's right. Moving something or whatever happens, and then they get hurt. Yep. So I'll, I'll do that throughout the year, and then we'll have a period of time where we focus on on gymnastics and skill work. We'll have a period of time maybe we we spend a little bit more time on cardio and interval training. Um, and and but that's kind of all happening behind the scenes. Some people, the strength cycles, obviously we do that, and, and some people wouldn't know when, hey, Will's twice a week, we seem to be doing a little bit more sprints or running intervals. Why is that? Well, it's because I'm wanting to spend some time working on those things. Yeah. It's this idea of getting better and worse and better and worse and this whole – thing you're gradually progressing through fitness where after the strength cycle is over and then maybe in the summer we're doing cardio work will your strength have gone down possibly a little bit but we'll get right back to the strength i don't think it ever goes back down below if you're consistent with all this stuff where it was when you started yeah so we're progressing on all these things through like little hyper focused areas together well what's that's proven because we'll go through a summer of more cardio and but we're still lifting weights and then when we come into the next strength cycle we always start with all right well let's get a baseline pr so many people hit new prs yep on those before they've even done the strength cycle just from the regular programming throughout the year how so, about that that's so true uh the functional lifting has made them stronger in a specific lift people overthink um so much in this world they overthink think training and the programming behind it and they put too much emphasis and importance on that i've said that forever like you take weightlifting for example the point of weightlifting is simply to create hypertrophy to break down muscle fibers so they build back stronger. Your body will adapt. You can do that by doing uh, five reps for five sets at super heavy weight, or you can do 50 air squats, you know, it's super fast. Yeah. The muscle, you can, you can also go outside and run sprints. Your leg muscle fibers are breaking down in all those examples and are going to build back stronger. So that's why you might see someone's go out and do sprint training and high rep air squats for, for three months and then come back and test your one rep max back squat. I bet it goes up. Mm. You know, it, there's lots of ways to skin the cat. And, yeah. and I think that we get so, like, zoned in, like, this is the only way to do it, uh, that it becomes a little bit silly. If we only lifted heavy weight, low repetition heavy weight, we would get more injury. You know, you're, you're putting your body under a whole lot more load, so you're, you're going to ex- exaggerate any sort of thing that goes wrong. So it's a whole lot easier to get injured doing a heavy back squat than it is doing 50 air squats. Absolutely. Certainly. Yeah. It's also probably more fun for some people to do some heavy back squats versus doing 50 air squats. Mm-hmm. So it's about balancing those things. What's the most attractive, compelling way. And I, I believe it is to mix all these things together in a, in a balanced, at least that's what I found here. Yeah. I love it. So what about from an injury perspective? Um, I don't see a ton of injuries, but it happens around yeah. here. Um, does that come into to play at all when you're programming as far as, uh, injury prevention or, yeah. or, um, not doing overuse yeah and that and that that's right where we adapted into providing some more flexibility in our space of super high intensity workouts um people you want your people coming to the gym often because you think if you're going to tell them they need to exercise you know damn near every day you know it's kind of the the prescription yeah then you need to provide a, a exercise routine that they can do every day yeah so that when we introduce the idea of a, a what we call our fitness workouts, which are lower intensity in terms of of effort, you, I guess you could say in terms of high heart rate, lactic acid, beating yourself up, sweating bullets, you know, kind of exercise. Um, the idea there is that mixing some of these things in are safer um, and are still working your body and working all these muscle groups, but in a lower risk way. Now, it doesn't mean we like, most people in here have played a sport. They like sports, they like competing, like doing active things. So most active things we do in our life, whether it's snow skiing or running or, or whatever that, that is playing rec basketball or uh, has a risk of injury to it. So I think everyone needs to train with some intensity. 
Yeah. Intensity is what pushes your fitness level forward. Uh, so I believe that. I don't believe that you need as much of it as we once thought. And so I... Consistency of, sounds like it's more important than yeah. intensity. That's right. I, I think so. Yeah. I, th- I think so for sure. So that's the first way I look at injury prevention. And then providing options even within the fitness work, the, 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 the other workouts we do, the higher intensity workouts... Let someone choose what level of movement they want to go to and and understanding that there's a higher associated risk with those movements. So like I, the example I use with people that are coming to our gym the first time is a handstand pushup. Um, the handstand pushup doesn't work any muscle group that I couldn't work with something else with some Z press or strip press or push press or combination, some sit-ups, you know, I could make a combination of other things to work all those same muscles without you having to flip upside down and ram your head into the ground. Now, that isn't to say that some people don't love handstand push-ups. They don't find enjoyment for that and that they might be training for something that requires that particular skill. So we'll still have that option there. But they understand that there is a higher risk of injury there. You could hurt your neck, maybe your shoulder. Uh, you know, it, um, And we have a variety of those movements in here. And let them make that choice. If you're willing to assume that risk, the same as snow skiing. Like you could sled on a sled down the hill in your backyard, or we could take you to Breckenridge and put you on some skis on a black diamond. Now, right. One of them is a lot higher risk of injury than the other. It just is. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't do either of them. If you really enjoy this, you love it, and, and it, 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 it fulfills you, well, I'm all for it. You like you only live this life once, then go for that thing. Yeah. And I will give you some training, and we'll exercise in a way that will minimize those risks when you go out there and do that. Um, but everyone has to sort of decide what, where, level of risk they're willing to assume in their training. And and we've come to a place in this gym and probably around the this style of fitness within the kind of functional fitness CrossFit space where people are finding that happy middle ground where they're not trying to be competitive fitness athletes. Right. They're just trying to look better naked, feel better, and every now and then maybe do something they couldn't used to do. Yeah. That's still very fun. Yeah. Um, so they're finding that sweet spot. Maybe once or twice a week, I'm really going to go for it. I'll push that envelope. Um, and so I want to give people options every day yeah. for those things. We wow. call those here comp performance and fitness, and it's it seems to have worked. Yeah, was that answer your question on my programming? Yeah. I don't I don't know that. I also wouldn't want people to think like the, the other part of all this is I I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. Hopefully, and most people know this. I don't write every workout verbatim. So from what I also do, I pull from a lot of places, yeah. and I might I might look at workouts that Bergeron's written or Marcus Filia's written or. CrossFit HQ's written or whoever, and and maybe sometimes we'll do one of those. Maybe sometimes I'll look at that as inspiration and kind of rewrite it to what I think it would work better for us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I write them from scratch, um, but there's no, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to randomizing this. It, it's just a little bit like like there's a lot of really smart people out there doing great things. I try to look at all of it, yeah, put it together, yeah, and and then do it in these these periods. I don't know, yeah, I love it. Um, that's my take on it. And that that's followed. It's funny because that's followed my journey too. I don't know if it follows your journey a little bit, but I remember when I started doing this six years ago, seven years ago at this gym event, I was all about like, I, I remember my best snatch ever was 250 pounds. Like it was, I, I felt great about that. Like I yeah. was all about seeing what I could do there. And then three years later through kids, through business, like, well, now my shoulder's hurting a little bit and I'm, I'm kind of dealing with some of the ramifications of these higher skill, higher risk movements. It's not so important to me anymore. I, I've been there, done that. Now maybe I want to go. I don't, but a good example: go get that mile PR. Now I don't. I don't know. Uh, so you, you know, you have seasons in your life where you you focus on different things. I think yeah. that's fine. Yeah. What about you? I, this is a question. I'll, I'll turn this back to you when it comes to programming in a mm-hmm. gym. I know you. You know, 
you're like me, but maybe even more so in this way, that you love lifting heavy weights. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of times. Like you love bench pressing, squatting. You love seeing those numbers go up. Mm-hmm. Um, you love being stronger. Yes. Yeah. Uh, from a real fitness exercise science standpoint, when are you strong enough? <laughs> uh, great <laughs> question. Um, I don't know. Um, I started working out. Uh, I worked out, you know, in high school and college, but then largely took a, a hiatus from fitness from age twenty four to thirty seven. Yeah. So I had thirteen years of um, atrophy in muscles and um, added body weight. So I, I'm. What I would say is I'm fairly new to this uh this being my third year of of really being focused on fitness mm-hmm. um and so for me like this year i had three three major goals and they were around strength i wanted to deadlift 400 i wanted to squat 350 and i wanted to bench 300 okay um those were the three goals i set out for myself this year you got um, those from where from my head okay i just arbitrary yeah well you know there's a lot of things you'll read out there that you know as a fit man you should be able to deadlift x amount yeah to your percentage of your body weight and um so some of that informed it but it was really just um just goals that i had that i think i could accomplish without hurting myself yeah um and honestly that's probably strong enough to be honest i don't have i don't need to go much stronger i just wanted to be strong yeah i don't think i've ever in my life been known as the strong person really yeah big yes yeah strong no yeah over the last year i've gotten dozens of unsolicited comments on how strong i look yeah you're strong and i'll i'm not talking about in the gym i'm talking about at lunch with somebody like a business lunch yeah like oh man you must have been hitting the gym thank you feels good yeah it feels good um so i'm probably from a strength standpoint i'm probably there yeah. Um I'm more I want to stay strong um and just get better. Just get a little more fit every year. Yeah. That's where I am. I don't I don't need a a giant swing in a direction. Um yeah. I wanted to build baseline strength, which I was behind the curve. I mean, all you guys are stronger than me and smaller than me, and so I just wanted to kind of catch up on a baseline strength curve. And then now that I've done that, I just want to maintain some of that, but but just have fun. Yeah, Next yeah. year will be more having fun. That's one of your goals. Mm-hmm. That's a fun thing I like to ask people to sit down. And if you had to quad it, I mean, we're at the end of the year here. It's where people start talking about goals, right, for next year and this yep. all this sort of stuff. So it's it's funny that when I, I once sat down, when I thought about going through this process of programming and training, and, and I said, okay, I was at a time in my life where I could snatch 300, 250 pounds. I bench pressed around 300 um, I, 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 I could deadlift over 400. My mile time was in the sixes. And then I struck like, what do I need to work on? I got at one point I did 20 muscle ups unbroken on the bar. So I'm like, if I had to make a fitness goal, what is it? And so I look at these things. I'm like, well, I'm a horrible distance runner. Like my, I've never run a 5k under 30 minutes. I can run a mile in six minutes and I can't run three under 30. So I look at these things and I said, now, if I was to take an objective look at my fitness, like if I need to make a goal, will the science, the statistics would tell me that I should not stop, but put some of these things on the back burner now, done the strength stuff. I am strong enough. There's nowhere in life I need to be stronger than any of these numbers. Right. Um, 
maybe I should focus on my endurance, my, 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 or maybe it's my running form. I, I don't know what that is, but, but, but then you have to start putting in there. Like, do I want to, how much want to do I have there? Sure. Right. But, but that's a good question to ask people is when are you strong enough and should your focus switch? Yeah. Uh, because are you now to keep pursuing more and more strength? Let's just use that example. Are you now sacrificing other things? At some point sure. you would, I tell people like, if you're pretty dang strong, the only way for you to get stronger is going to be to get bigger. Do you really need to be bigger? Right. If you're bigger, you're going to be a worse runner. That's, right. that's true. Right. You'll be also probably worse at pull-ups right. at some point. Um, and I was there. I was at that that point in my yeah. life. So it's a fun conversation. Yeah, that's where I am right now. Is yeah. I've I've gotten as big as I want to be. Yeah. Um, it does hurt me on pull ups for sure right now. Yeah. Um, but I had you know very specific goals that um, that I wanted to achieve this year that were yeah. you know fairly arbitrary but were important to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm five pounds away on bench from hitting all three of them. I've hit this the deadlift. I've hit the squat. So now it's you may get it next time for bench. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's that's where I am. Yeah. And I, and I'm I, I love competing. Yeah, I compete in pretty much everything. Um, whatever I'm doing, I'm competing. Whether the other people know that they're competing against me or not, yeah. I'm competing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so in here, you know, in the gym, there's a leaderboard that allows me to compete. Um, and I love that. Yeah. Um, and especially the ones where I feel like I can compete, like I like to get after those sometimes and just just yeah. have some fun. Well, uh, so. All right, my second question for you. This one's going to be a little more personal. Um, so you and I have talked a few times um, over over the years we've known each other about marriage, um, and you've shared with me how somewhere in the first year or two um, was a pretty hard season of marriage. Yep. Um, so I, I would love to, to know what you learned through that about yourself and about your wife um, that informs where you guys are today because you're still married you're happily married um every marriage out there goes through a hard season if not multiple yeah um so first off i would like to just let that be said you're sure if, if anyone is married and if anyone is in a hard place or has had a hard place me too that's normal yeah raise your hand right <laughs> um but i'd love to just you know what was that first year or two you know when it was a struggle and and what did you learn from that? What, how does that inform today? Yeah, wow. Yeah, the first uh, the first year of our marriage was the worst year of our marriage ever. Um, it was opposite of the honeymoon stage mm. for us. And the last year of our marriage, I would say maybe has been the best year of our marriage ever um, in a lot of ways. And and what that process has looked like is, is, is a, like you said, it's been a roller coaster, ups and downs, I think. It'd be interesting to hear my wife answer this from her side too. And I, I think maybe we have a plan to maybe try some of that. Yeah. Uh, next year, the I blame a lot of it uh, the first year on two things. Uh, first, we came in as uh, my, my wife has dealt with in her life in a long time some anxiety issues. I clinically diagnosed anxiety issues. She's mm -hmm. she's she's treated for it. Um. So when you come into a marriage with that, married to someone like myself who was so immature, and looking back created a lot of unnecessary anxiety it was a recipe for disaster so so the literal thing that that you know marriage any expert say marriage is built around trust really any deep relationship but marriage especially which is should be the deepest of all relationships right yeah. is built around trust and and trust isn't something that when when you say your vows and say i do this just granted again it has to be earned and i don't think i spent any time earning her trust mm. 
In fact, I was probably at the time doing a lot of immature, immature things and hiding a lot of things from her because I was still trying to sort of be a kid and I still wasn't ready. I still wanted to live with pieces of my own life. So, I, I mean, I would tell our listeners, I, I'll be very transparent uh, on probably the, one of the things that broke us down really quickly was um, I just spent all of our money and racked up credit card debt and didn't tell her about it. Yeah. So we moved into this house. I bought like flat screen TVs, brought, you know, all, I mean, all, all this stuff. And then she's going out and literally trying to check out at the gas station. Her credit and her card's getting declined. It's maxed out or it's negative a balance in her checking account or whatever reason is. Yeah. And this happened multiple times. And I'd be like, oh, it's all right. I just, you know, some bills hit that I didn't expect. I'd make up something, um, which is true. There's some bills did hit that I didn't expect would hit but that the reason it was a problem is because i'd already spent all the money on the tv i bought in the checking account right so when that bill hit it went negative bro yeah. you know yeah so these things started happening um until the point where she finally saw that i hadn't just done this to our check but i'd racked up debt on her own credit card that she'd had before we were married um i did some real damage to her and that was a period of time where we i mean we were sleeping in separate bedrooms there for a period of time it was it was tough and I take full responsibility for a lot of that. Um, and she she has owned her part of it where because of her, I mean, what I did was creating a lot of anxiety because she, she said, I feel like you have this secret life. And she was kind of right about that. Yeah. That that would create anxiety. Um, but at the same time, she, she wasn't a whole lot of fun to live with either. And that, that was probably kind of pushing me away at the time. Um, so we were just kind of in this vicious cycle where what I was doing was making her miserable to be around. And because she was miserable to be around, I just want to go off and do my own thing yeah. and live my own life. And so it really wasn't a marriage at all. Yeah. And so I think, I think over the years, my own maturity, uh, letting go of control of some of those things, um, has helped that. And, and then I think that the other part is coming together and figuring out, uh, what we have in common, what our common life goals are together as a couple. Um, because we still loved each other. We're still, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just as a bit attracted and in love with the person that Andrea is now as I was then. Um, I have just as much fun with her now as I did then. We would have these periods of time. Then even as young kids, we were like, no, this is what it should be like. But it was all the things I was doing in life that was that was preventing that just out of selfishness. Mm. And so I think over the years, having kids helps I don't think that's a recipe to cure someone's marriage at all. I yeah. warn everybody of it that. It certainly helps you grow up, though. But it helps you grow up, absolutely, and it helps get rid of selfishness yeah. because it's very hard to when you're having to care for two other people to be so focused on yourself. Yeah. I think that helped me a lot. Yeah. I don't think that's really helped her. She didn't need help with that. Yeah. She's she's not a selfish person whatsoever. So that that's been the thing that I I looking back on, and I mean I think it's it was a miracle that God brought us through that time. Yeah, it's amazing that vicious cycle. Um, we've gone through through times like that where, um, you know, specifically, like let's say it's uh, around sex. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm in my head feeling like I want sex um, for whatever reason. Let's say she wasn't in the mood, and I take that personally. Yeah. And so now all of a sudden I'm gonna act a little bit differently. Yeah. Not on purpose, but I'm just acting differently because that hurt my feelings or something. Yep. And because I'm acting differently, she's going to react to that and, and not be as attractive who would be to a more pouty, whiny person. Right. So now then she's acting less attracted to me, which makes me more pouty and whiny. And right. um, it's that vicious cycle. Um, 
and those are so hard. Like it's until I think until you, for us, until somebody like pointed that out for us and helped us through it, um, it's almost impossible to to get out of on your own or to educate yourself out of uh, without some kind of help. Oh uh, yeah, and that's that's the other piece is that I, you know, when we uh, when we first started marriage counseling, it wasn't until you know. 14, 15 years into marriage. Yeah. And that was a huge blow to my ego or something um, to go to marriage counseling. And now that we've done it for years and years, I think how foolish, because that is some of the, some of the best conversations we have is in with the counselor. And then the, the weeks or months afterwards with the, the knowledge that we, we got out of that session. Um, and there's just such a positive compounding effect to those that I don't think I could ever go back now uh, because it's such a help. But man, for 14 years, I didn't want any part of it because we were good. Well, it's a, to, that, that, it's a perfect example because like the idea of the sex, sexual cycle for a male it creates resentment and then it turns into anger. And there's biological reasons for that. I mean, this is, you're, you're, it's driven by testosterone in your brain. And, and I always tell people, you're not going to win a battle against your own biology. Yeah. It's impossible to. So in that t- period of time, like we're in our first year of marriage, we're sleeping in separate bedrooms. There's no sexual relationship there. And here we're supposed to be in this honeymoon phase people talk to you about. And I'm sitting here like doubting, like, I feel like I'm a pretty good looking guy. She's a good looking girl. She, and I remember sitting down with one of my mentors at that time. I was like, I think she might be seeing someone else even. And he was like, you're crazy right now. You need to, <laughs> she's not seeing someone else. Yeah. You're just an immature asshole. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of as simple as that. Yeah. And you know, good-looking women don't want to sleep with immature assholes and when they're married to them <laughs> it's in so many words what he was telling me and i it, i was in a period of time then still am where i didn't want to admit fault for anything right. like i you know i think i'm awesome that's just my personality type back to your my question to you is the the thing that i, I think i heard you say is that now <laughs> you try to take a little more responsibility um none of us like being told where we're wrong, but it sounds like you're inviting people into your life at least to be honest with you and you can be honest with them. And, um, some of that maturity that I would assume alleviates some of the anxiety that would come. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. The maturity of understanding that when you figure out that a marriage isn't, uh, you get to still be a hundred percent you, she gets to be a hundred percent her. And then you just come these parallel paths through life together. And you understand that you have to give up a piece of you and she's giving up a piece of her so that you can meet each other in the middle. And that's an act of, of really of service, yeah. right? It's this idea that, that I have to look for ways that to do things I don't maybe want to do to treat her ways that aren't natural for me, that I know serves her and that she's doing the same for me. And then I think in the last year, the more you do that, the more fun that is, the more you actually start wanting to do those things because you see the result of that. You see the benefit out of that. Yeah. So I, I really think in the last maybe two years, like you, just like you, Jason, we started seeing a counselor right there in the middle of the pandemic. And it was, I call it almost like a prehab thing because it, we were, we weren't in a bad spot, but it was, I don't remember what gave me the idea. Um, well, probably all the marriages that are struggling yeah. around us, like we're in this season of life, you know, late thirties, early forties, where, um, lots and lots of marriages are, are struggling and, and that's, that's the secret nobody's talking about, but it should be like, yes. we're, we're all struggling. Like <laughs> on exactly some level, right. we're all struggling. This so. seems to be the time it breaks apart. And I'm, I'm, 
you know, I'm I'm 38, so I'm just slightly behind you and some of my my friends here. That there has been have owning this gym and being in a microcosm of 150 or so relationships, I get to watch something around the age of 40. I've seen yeah. a lot of divorce happen at that age, yeah. and I can't figure out why. Then I don't yeah. know what it is, but it scares me. And I'm like, so Andrea, we need to go do like let's just for the sake of of preventing something, let's just go check in with each other and go have someone help us. And that was a we spent almost a year doing that, and it was a very valuable time too. I think that that oh, it's a lot easier to share things with a third party. There, you know yeah. how that is. It's mm-hmm. weird how that is. Like like you'll yeah. open up where it's awkward if it's just you and your wife. Maybe yeah, it's almost like you have a mediator there because you know we weren't arguing. Yeah, really. And you're talking to them, but you're saying it to a counselor. Yes, exactly. So but you're looking at someone else, but they're next to you. Yeah, like, it's something magical about that alone. Yeah, um, that was huge. And I don't know. I still don't know what it is. What this stage of life is where people I. Maybe it's that at this age, people that have lived for so long with some sort of dissatisfaction in their relationship finally get the guts or they've reached a, a stable point in their life where they feel like they can act on it to get out of it. Yeah. Um, well, there's and, also this place, we were talking about this over lunch today, is around this time you're, you're thinking, I still have enough time left here on earth that if I can choose what I think will be happier or more passionate or... Yep whatever thing that you're looking for that you feel like you lack right now, this is the time Yeah, because you have enough time left that not only can you do it, but the the opposite. I don't know that I want to live the next 30 or 40 years of my life like this. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I get really frustrated with in some of these conversations are people like, well, we got married so young and we've changed so much. Well, no shit. Like, yeah, I would hope so. I mean, I would hope so. Yeah. You know, we're all constantly evolving. We should be constantly growing um, in our own self-awareness and what we've learned through life and wisdom. Um, and I think it was I think it was C.S. Lewis, but somebody like that said, you know, I've been married, ha- happily married for 60 years to um, my wife, who or who's been like 13 different people over that time. You know, something like that. Like, and he's just alluding to it's the same woman, but she's just changed a whole bunch of times. Well, yeah, like we, we all are. Um, is it possible that you both changed and it, and it pushed you away? Yeah, that's obviously possible. Um, but I think more often than not, it comes down to, we've probably just not been pursuing our spouse as much. And we've leaned into our own selfishness a little too much. hundred percent. Um, and to, especially in today's world of the whole, like live your best life, you know, my truth, you know, some of these phrases that are out there, like that's fine to say those things, but any relationship, um, if you want it to really do well, you have to pursue the other person for sure. Um, and a lot of times, as you alluded to, a lot of times that pursuit is not necessarily your idea of your best life. Right. You know, because love languages oftentimes are, are different and are hard. Um, but I think that's where the magic is. If if you can love somebody in their love language, um, that's not naturally yours, man, like what a blessing to that person to for them to see, like, wow, they're they're really stepping out and and doing something that's unnatural to them, but it is so life giving to me. And um, I think that's where a lot of people go go astray. Yeah, that's a great, and, and who's to say that if you failed at pursuing your spouse this time, that the next time around you won't, same thing won't happen. Like at some point, if you don't fix the root issue of, hey, I'm too focused on myself, then this is the history is just going to repeat itself. Yeah. So that, that, 
that bothers me. I, I'm, I'm, you said it so well, Jason. I like the, this idea of like, I deserve better. This could be better. I mean, there are certain relationships that I've seen that, that needed to break apart. They're, yeah. so, they're very damaging and very toxic and abusive on some levels. And, and I, I get all that, but there's sometimes I've, I've had friends that I've walked through with this and they just kind of left because they weren't into it anymore. And it's, it. They would. I don't know if they would say I'm miserable, they, but the word you always hear is I'm just not happy, and and it, and it that is implying to me that you deserve to be happy, and and we can argue about that if that's the case or not. Do you deserve happiness? Is that something you've earned? Is that something that should be just awarded to you? Right. Is that something you should have to work for? I don't know. I, but 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 this on the other side of this, they make these pretty bold decisions, seemingly quickly, but probably not, probably something they've wrestled with for quite some time. And then on the other side of that, I don't know, are you happier now? Is your life, is your quality of life measurably better or worse? Because there's some people that I've, I've seen abandon their marriage for something better that from my observation, the quality of their life seems to be worse. And there's again, equally as many that, that it's better when they were escaping something toxic and abusive. But I don't, I could have easily walked out of our marriage for none of those reasons. My marriage wasn't abusive or toxic or any of those things. I could have just said I deserve better and left. And Think you deserve better. Think I deserve better and guarantee that my quality of life right now would be worse. And I know that to be, I mean, I just, I'm convinced of that. Yeah, so if I have a goal in in this marriage conversation, for me, it's I really want to be a student of Jen over the next, you know, however long and um, and really get to know her. And that, Mm, without the expectation that it's about me getting Uh, because that was what the first you know 15 or so years of our marriage was that's beautifully said just a quid quo pro doesn't work in marriage that's the thing but that's how but that is (laughs) life and so it's just it's our natural our natural mo um and we're all self-focused and self-centered so it it takes it takes an extraordinary amount of effort to to not be self-centered and and sometimes even in saying what i'm trying to be not self-centered about ultimately i'm hoping makes me like get what i want so i mean like it's it's a it's a hard thing to battle but um man i'm i'm just so i'm so moved by so many marriages around us that need to have that conversation yes that need to know that it's okay to be struggling it's okay to be upset at your spouse it's okay if you've grown apart so to speak yeah um don't give up well not only don't give up but your spouse is a is a is a special beautiful person um do the deep work dig in to get to know them um without it's really hard but without you know focusing on you getting your needs met through that process um we all still need to have our needs met, but man, just like to take that, I want to know my spouse. I want to be a student of my spouse. Like, I would love for that message to start to resonate around the marriages around us. So here's a fun question I'll take back to you. Then this brings me, this racks my brain about something because I I think this is a fun thing to contemplate. Switching tracks a little bit, but this what you're talking about now is the respect for the institution of marriage versus just the particular person you're married to. Are you super into being married? Or are you super into the person you're married to? Hopefully it's both. But I, I like to think about this, and I also like to ask people this. So if I don't want to kill her, but if Jen all of a sudden disappeared, okay. do you think you'd want to be married again? And I, I will say this in a closet, like no one can answer this question for real sitting right there because everyone will give an answer, and then, God forbid, should something like that happen, 
typically, you know, you don't know. So you might meet someone that changes their answer. I don't know. But, yeah. but what do you think? Yeah. Cause I know my answer would, I don't think I would want to be married. I don't, mm. I don't love the idea of being married. That's what's funny about me. I'm so independent that I always say if Andrea died tomorrow, I don't think I'd ever get married again. Cause I really love being married to Andrea. Uh, and I wanted to have kids. I want to have a family. And she's given me all those things. She's given me a, a, a life. She's made me a better person. She's almost checked every box I ever wanted out of marriage that I don't think I would want to, I don't need that again. I don't think I would want it. That's interesting. Okay. That's really okay. interesting. <laughs> okay. um, Just throwing that out there. Yeah, I would say, um, yes, I would want to be married again um, yeah. because um, I'm still a believer in um, and want to be a believer in that there's something deeper about vows. And that there is something, I don't want to say magical, but there is something really special about a covenant of marriage. Yeah. You've, you've said, I am going to be married and stay married. And to back that up with your actions takes a whole lot of character. And I want to be a man of character. I feel like if, if Jen passed away and I got into the dating scene and, and had a live-in girlfriend for the rest of my life, but we weren't married... Um, either one of us in my mind could walk out at any point, um, when it got hard, right. When something really crappy happened, that's a deal breaker. And I don't want that. I I want commitment. I want the character that is developed that comes along with pushing through what shouldn't be able to be pushed through. Wow. That only takes, uh, only can come through, um, commitment and character. Um, and I, I just, I want that. I desire that. I want to model that. I think, um, I think for me, marriage makes me a better person. Um, yeah. And I would pursue that. I, I think I should have caught, probably qualified my question as well. I, and again, I'm, I don't, I love the quote, I don't know shit about shit or whatever, because I, I <laughs> had this happen. I, I could be completely put on my face and abandon everything I'm saying right now. I'm, yeah. I'm fully aware of that. But I don't even think I'd pursue dating either, mm. just to be clear. I, I don't think that, that that's the funny thing. And we talked about this before, is that sometimes you see, obviously, people's marriages break apart, and it seems like one or the other jumps right into another relationship really quickly, and it, everyone's eyebrows raise around that. And that's I'm not here to, to cast judgment on any of those things, but it does kind of expose what they were looking for. And what their desire were was, yeah. and maybe what they weren't getting, whether it's sexual or it's an emotional connection or it's quality time with someone together or, or whatever that thing is. I don't, I don't know. Don't really care. I just think that um, if I if I could imagine myself, and my wife is gone. I don't. I think I could put all of those things aside and be content for the rest of my life, um, in exchange for independence. Um, Would you be celibate? Yeah, I think I could. Yeah, be hard. <laughs> yeah, I could not. I mean, part of my beliefs is right. If if I'm if I'm going to play out what I'm saying, I, I in my head I would want to play out. That would be, you know, inside of 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 my worldview that that would have to be the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there there were, <laughs> I've you, you tell I've spent way too much time thinking about this, because I I mean, there's a lot of things going for me. I'm getting older. So when this happens, typically you're older in age, so that helps. <laughs> just I don't know. I don't know. Love making 
Every I know bit I, as good I get now it. as it ever happened. I didn't say so. it'd be easy. I just I just <laughs> like to exchange sex for all the work that goes into a relationship and marriage and having to start all that over again. Mm. Again, I'm a guy. I'm a I'm a path of least resistance person. Yeah. So again, knowing what I've been through with Andrew and how fulfilling our marriage is now, and and the, even the idea of being in a romantic relationship or an intimate relationship with someone else and what would be going through your head, you're you're going to be comparing that to your wife, and and there's just no way to avoid some of those things trying to build that whole process of earning trust again and building the relationship and all the pursuit. Uh, I've now that I've figured out the pursuit of the person that I want to pursue and I really enjoy pursuing her. Yeah. I, I don't think I would want to It'd be like when someone said, do you want to open another gym? I'm like, no, I've done this once and it went really well and I don't have an enemy to do it again. Yeah. That's kind of how I think I would feel about marriage or about <laughs> even a relationship. Well, man, this has been fun. It has been a great year. Yeah. I've been, today's been fun. I'm glad that we got to wrap up together. Yeah. Before we go, what do you want? What are you looking forward to next year out of this podcast? Well, hopefully, and um, and I mean this with all sincerity. I hope that our listeners will start um, giving us ideas on on topics or people that they want to hear. That they want to hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, that's what will become even more fulfilling. You know, right now we're just pontificating on what might be interesting or people that we know. Yeah. But as our reach expands, you know. I want to know who who do you guys want to hear from or what topics do you want us to talk about? Um, we've got some pretty interesting ones we think lined up for the beginning of the next year, but that's what I hope for for next year is that we get a little more engagement on on topics and, and people that, that our listeners want to hear from. I agree. Maybe we should tell people that to drop us. I mean, we put the stuff up on social media. Some of y'all, I'm not going to give our email and cell phone on the air, but there's a lot, most of, most of our audience will find a way to get in touch with us. they like to let us know that. Yeah. And um, it could be any topic in the world that we would say surrounds, quote, functional life. And, and hopefully by now people are aware of what we're talking about with that. Yeah. Um, I agree. I'm looking forward to having some more great guests on, talking with you as well, some more great discussions, and, and, and especially some people that uh, I would challenge our listeners, and even you, Jason, bring us some topics people some ideas that you think would be disagreeable to us i think that would be fun that would I mean, be fun the last year we've spent a lot of time with our friends people in this community people we know well love respect and well pretty much agree with almost levels i would love to get some guests in here that are quite not us yeah. <laughs> you know and yeah. and that would be fun because i think healthy just as much as you think the the, the tradition of of handing down things through oral tradition is valuable i think healthy debate is necessary. Especially respectful debate that yep. seems to not even be a thing anymore. Yep. Um, where we where we enter it with the with the idea that we want to both learn something. Yeah, absolutely. So let's 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 hope, pray, plan for those sort of things next year. Sounds see good. if we can't lead the way on that a little bit, at least here yep. in, in our own way. Make sure my bumper comes, the audio bumper yeah, comes yeah. right now yeah, well, in this podcast. Uh, well, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, everybody. We listen to this, and uh, we'll check in with you in January 2023 if we make it. Yeah, man. If we make it, Lord willing. <laughs> All right? All right. Have a great day. Thanks, Jason. See you guys.